Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Today's Torah portion is the 17th uh, Torah portion in the Torah cycle throughout the year begins uh, right after Sukkot and runs uh, through Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. So uh, we uh, are in Exodus 18 today. And the name of this Torah study is called Yitro, the Hebrew name for Jethro, not the guy from the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> uh, but uh, way back in biblical times, uh, there's a famous man in Bible history, Jethro, Yitro, and his life is a prophetic picture of what God wants to do between the Gentiles, Christians, and Jews. And uh, the big thing is unity. We're in celebrating black history. One of the things that we're learning, whether it's between black and white, Jew and Christian, is God wants unity. Amen. No division, no strife, no throwing rocks at one another. They'll know we are believers because we have love one for another. And that's what comes up this week when you study uh, this Torah study in Exodus 18 through Exodus 20. Uh, It's a... uh, it's something that New Beginnings, Pastors Larry and Tiz, Larry Huck Ministries through our TV show and all the things that we're doing in media ministry, we have a divine calling here, a distinct calling to repair the breach between Jews and Christians. And I got to thinking about that. Here's, here's just a little bit of a mission statement. All of our friends in Blanco, Texas might wonder sometimes about the, the Jewish roots of Christianity. Where did all of that come from? Why are we studying uh, Judeo-Christian Bible history? Uh, well, be, I'll, I'll share with you because we do have a Judeo-Christian heritage. The Bible is Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. He's Jewish in heaven. (laughs) And the official language in heaven is Hebrew. (laughs) And we're part of that lineage, part of that heritage. And uh, so we're, we're wanting to reclaim. We want to restore the church to the Jewish roots of the origins of our faith. Judaism, Israel, is where our faith began. Jerusalem, that's that's our origins. And uh, it's out of the soil of Judaism that uh, Christianity blossoms and springs. So we're reclaiming, we're restoring. Our ministry is rallying the church world to stand with Israel. Amen? 
We want to stand with them in many ways, but a big way is standing with Israel and their right to exist as a godly, sovereign nation. Right? So, praise God for that. And another part of our assignment is to revive the meaning of what Paul was teaching in Romans 11 about being grafted in. Okay, Paul says to the Gentiles in Rome, it's ironic he's speaking to Romans. Rome. Rome was the superpower that ruled the world. Uh, and they were the greatest persecutors of the Jews at that time. And so, uh, as a superpower, uh, and uh, with all the background we can get into, Paul says to the Romans that are now becoming revival happening in Rome. We had a, a pantheon of gods. All of a sudden, there's this message that there's one true God, Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then his only begotten son, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. And so he says to the Romans in Romans 11, You are the wild olive branch that is grafted in the olive tree. Olive tree. Paul is describing our, our lineage as olive olive. Israel, when you go like to the Garden of Gethsemane in Israel, you'll see olive trees that are 1,500 years old. They try to make the claim that some of these trees were here when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's debatable, but no matter what way you cut the olive in desert-like conditions grows and flourishes and produces fruit. Olives. Not for your martini. For your, but for your salary. Amen. Thank you for that. You are the wild olive branch grafted into the olive tree. You don't support or govern Israel. Can you imagine Paul saying that to Romans? I mean, Romans had legions. And people by the millions died by their sword. You either get with the program, the Roman program, or you die. You've seen the gladiator, right? Russell Crowe, the Spaniard. You see how that works. And Paul is saying to this group, you you don't support or govern Israel. Spiritually, Israel and all of its biblical revelation supports you. Wow. Paul saying that. Is the New Testament true or do we need to hand out white out? And we white that scripture out. Because right there explains an awful lot about our relationship between Jews and Christians. What's coming out of uh, Judaism was always meant to support us and encourage us. Not so we could be legalistic, but so that we could tap into revelation that God initiated through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and carried on through Moses and the prophets. And that's 
our divine assignment as a church. We believe that being grafted in means to honor our Jewish roots. We need to respect our Jewish lineage, our Jewish heritage. And we need to work actively towards rebuilding what was destroyed by man-made religion. Traditional religion has an enmity, a division, a chasm between Jew and Christian. We're the Hatfields and McCoys. But God is wanting that all to change, and he's using uh, Pastor Larry as a, a keynote speaker to help do that. And it's, it's part of end-time prophecy. We'll touch on that in minutes. Uh, and he, here's the real thing. How many churches are gathering together today, this morning, Sunday morning, with something in their mind saying, what I'm doing here is preparing the world for the coming of the Messiah? That's big stuff. Right? We're not just learning about, you know, how to prosper or how to live in health. Those are important factors. But ultimately, our spiritual calling is we're a light to the world and our activities in life are helping contribute to preparing the world for the coming of the Lord. That's what New Beginnings is all about. So aren't you glad you're a part of that? And finally, we're reestablishing. So we're reclaiming, restoring, rallying, reviving, and reestablishing the promise and the goal of Genesis 12.3, which says that I, the Lord God Almighty, will bless people who bless Israel. That's the original covenant promise. When Abraham came on the scene, that's the first promise that God made. I'm going to bless bless you. So that's the avos, the origin of promises. And so uh, in a practical way, today, 4,000 years later, uh, we need to do things that are charitable. We need to be doing things that tear down walls of division instead of building them uh, walls of division higher. And so as a church, we decided that we're going to bless Israel in charitable ways. Through Project Aliyah, helping Jews immigrate home to Israel. Children and Holocaust survivors and many different things. And it's these kinds of acts goodwill and benevolence that help to establish a friendship yeah we why can't we be friends <laughs> you know but here's something that's interesting there's another revelation in that verse genesis 12 3 I'll bless those that bless you, and in you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. We have a dear friend and a brilliant scholar uh, that he was uh, he was with Pastor when Pastor got that uh, epiphany, that revelation on his first trip to Israel in Capernaum. Uh, there were uh, Peter's houses, and Jesus healed Peter's mother. I think that Jesus would have preached in. 
Brendan Brother, Brother Shulam, points out in his commentary, he's written many commentaries, big thick commentaries that, you know, for many can be like a chemistry book. <laughs> but for me, it's like peanut butter and jelly. It's like, it's like kosher pepperoni pizza. In other words, it's good. I love reading uh, material like that. And he points out that in this verse, uh, that in you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed, uh, that that word is an uncommon Hebrew word for blessed. And it means to be intermingled or grafted in. So from the very beginning, when the first Jew comes into Israel, makes a covenant with God, God makes this original Avos promise that I'll bless those that bless you, and Abraham, through you, all the nations of the world will be grafted in. Wonder where Paul got all the, uh, that uh, you're grafted in. Wonder where he got that. Probably right here. He would have known that. So, uh, God promised Abraham the world would be grafted in to his spiritual heritage. And so, last days we're now catching on. Right? There's been a lot of rope-a-dope going on spiritually. And people haven't been able to catch on to an end-time revelation that Jews and Christians are meant to come together as friends. Spiritually, and charitably and all these different things. So uh, it's a, a prophetic word that God gave to Abraham, and it comes back up with Jethro, Yitro in Hebrew, Moses in Israel at the base of Mount Sinai. Because that's where Exodus 18 through 20 is taking place. God's brought them out of Egypt. He's about ready to give them a revelation, not just to Moses at the top of the mountain, but to all the people that are gathered at the base of the mountain. It's a national revelation they've all heard. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. I don't know if that was the voice. It is if you watch Charlton Heston. You know, when you're watching it. But how many ever Jews there were at Mount Sinai, they all heard. And when they all heard God speak and give the Ten Commandments, they said, Time out, God. Could you just deal directly with Moses? Because we're shaking in our boots. <laughs> and we just rather have Moses be the mediator. You tell Moses, Moses will tell us, and that's good enough. So today's study is on Yitro, Jethro. And it begins in Exodus 18.1. You can turn over there. Uh, Exodus 18.1, this is out of the complete Jewish Bible, says, Now Yitro, the priest of Midian, Moshe's father-in-law, Moses, Moshe in Hebrew, Moshe's father-in-law, heard all about 
what God had done for Moshe and for Israel, Israel, his people. How Adonai had brought Israel out of Egypt. So this uh, a scripture that in rabbinical teaching is expounded on quite a bit. One of the late uh, great rabbis from the Middle Ages, Rashi. Rashi um, was born in the same city where pastor's family's from on his dad's side. All Saints Laurent in just on the border of France and Germany. So we we jokingly talk about that from time to time when it comes up. Pastor, you might be related somehow to Rock. Could be. But Rashi talks about this verse and about Yitro, Jethro, Moses' father in law, and he says, what did Yitro hear to make him come join the Jewish people? He heard about the miracle of the crossing of the Red Sea and the war with Amalek. But what was so unique about what Yitro heard? Didn't all the other surrounding nations hear about this also? The answer is that he heard and respond. The other nations heard and remained the same. Yitro didn't merely hear, he took action. Others were moved and inspired for a few moments, but stayed where they were. Yitro picked himself up and changed his life. Yitro. Right? And so, what is it with Yitro, Jethro, and this response to Moses and Israel and the Jewish people? It's a key to understanding God's prophetic plan. Because he was a Gentile. He's a Midian priest, a pagan priest in a system of false religion. And his relationship with Moses at this time is a telltale sign that God's eternal purposes include bringing Gentile and Jew together. Yitro was the first convert. And he and Moses had been family, but not like this. Right? It's one thing to have family It's another thing to have family that loves the Lord and believes in God and pledges their allegiance to the Lamb and pledges their... I mean, when when you're with that family, and sometimes that family isn't biological. But it's by the blood of the Lamb that it brings us together. So according to biblicalancestry.com, Jews and Christians are family. That's what God is showing us. Now, for the last 2,000 years, approximately 2,000 years, Jews and Christians have been separated, for the most part, not always, but for the most part because of man-made doctrine, traditional religion, 
who would think there'd be politics in the church? <laughs> and a lack of knowledge and understanding. But obviously, Yitro and Moses knew something special was happening because of where it was happening. It's happening at Mount Sinai where the covenant is being sealed. It's, uh, it's on when the day of Pentecost had fully come in Acts 2. This is the original Acts chapter 2. Pentecost happens in the New Testament, but the very same holiday, the very same day, is actually in Exodus 18 through 20 when God gives the Ten Commandments called Shavuot. Fifty days after Passover, there's an outpouring. Originally, it was the outpouring of God giving Israel the Bible. Starting with the Ten Commandments. And then 1,500 years later, it's God giving the Holy Spirit to the church. Same day. Same time. But Yitro responded because he knew he had been alienated from some wisdom. What he was getting from his traditional religion isn't what I'm hearing now. This is, this is something totally different. And even today, the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that you and I as Gentiles were alienated from the covenants of God. We were afar off, but are brought near through the sacrifice of Yeshua, Jesus. So he hears about all this and says, man, i got to check this out. And his life changed. Praise God. Now it's interesting in God's prophetic plan that he's hidden something in the name of Yitro. In Hebrew, Yitro means adding on. O-M-G. <laughs> Yitro, the Hebrew name for Yitro at its root means add on. Yitro is adding on. He's grafting in. He's intermingling with Moses and Israel. And he's showing us through this example, and obviously we've touched on some others, and hopefully we'll have time to get to a couple more, that Gentiles are included in everything that God gave Israel. It's a grand covenant. And he's with all of Israel at the very moment God is giving them the Ten Commandments. And by extension, He's giving them the Bible. This is what the covenant is based on. It's based on the Word of God. The covenant we have today isn't based on our feelings. It isn't based on our educational or financial status. It's based on what God says in the B-I-B-L-E. That's our covenant foundation. And traditional religion doesn't always teach that. They go through certain liturgies, and sometimes they do it in a language you don't understand. 
And it's not that that is the worst thing in the world, but does your life change drastically? I wonder how America can have so many believers. Do you believe in God Almighty? Yes. 80%. Yes, I believe it. And yet we vote like we want the devil in power. (laughs) Somebody help me now. (laughs) I mean, just look around at what's going on. It's not normal. It's crazy. So that's not God. So despite all of his pagan philosophies and commitment to a false system of religion, Yitro repents and declares his faith in the Almighty and joins himself to God's people. This holiday of Shavuot, uh, Ruth is always read on Shavuot in synagogues. And Ruth is the one that makes the claim in Ruth chapter 1, your people, Naomi, will be my people. And your God will be my God. Naomi tried to go back to Moab and be with your people. No, you're my people now. You're my people. So there's uh, how, how symbolic is that? Praise God. So, ancient wisdom teaches that God gave Israel more than ten commandments. They're the big ten. And we don't keep the ten commandments to be saved. Right? We get this misnomer that Jews are trying to keep commandments to earn their way. No, you don't keep God's commandments to get saved. You keep God's commandments because you're saved. Right? Eternal life comes when you make your profession of faith. I believe in Jesus Christ with all my heart, and I uh, dedicate my life to Him. Father, I repent of all my sins. Forgive me, cleanse me, and put me on a pathway to blessing in the name and by the blood of Jesus. However you say that, there's a thousand and one ways that God will honor that prayer. So God gives the Ten Commandments the moral and ethical requirements. These are the basics. But in Jewish wisdom, God gave 613 commandments. And the great sages in Judaism teach that when you add the 613 commandments that God gave Israel at Mount Sinai, when you add together what he gave to Noah, now here's something that most of us never grew up learning, that God gave seven universal laws to the Gentiles called the laws of Noah. The Noahide laws. You can type that all in and into your search engine and read about it all the way up to kickoff. <laughs> or, or read it during the halftime show. Cause ain't nobody want to watch what Rihanna's got. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. Can already imagine. You saw what they did at the Grammy Awards with the uh, the Satan thing, Satan worship at the Grammy Awards. And uh, CBS is tweeting, oh, how wonderful this is. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh. They're, they're saying the silent part out loud. <laughs> they're, they have no shame, and they're not fearful of any repercussion at this point. <clears throat> so anyways, the Noahide laws. 
The seven laws of Noah, these universal laws that God instituted before uh, Moses. There's seven of them. And if you, if you add the seven to the 613, you come up with 620. Hey, I'm good at math all of a sudden. And that just happens to be the exact number of letters in the original Hebrew text outlining the Ten Commandments. 620 Hebrew letters in the original list of the Ten Commandments in Torah. So God's showing us that Yitro, the Gentile, you and I uh, that were alienated from the promises of God have been brought into the covenants of God that He gave to Israel. What a spiritual connection. Now don't get worried about, well, what does Jesus got to say about this? I don't need all of that. I got Jesus. All right. I'm glad you thought of that question. Because the blessing to the Gentile and the Christian uh, that's now available, that includes a long, long list. Well, if there's this long, long list of blessings, how come I don't feel like I'm living in the blessing? Yeah, well, because there's work to do. And that's the problem we have in the church. Well, I'm under grace. There's nothing I have to do. Nothing you have to do for eternal life. But what about abundant life? Two different things. Eternal life, bam, in a millisecond handled. But what about abundant life? What about the, the devil who is as a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour? What do I do about that side of things? He's trying to rob me of my abundant life, steal my blessing. i got to learn to fight the fight of faith. I've got to learn how to, having done all to stand, stand. I've got to learn how to put up my spiritual dukes and do spiritual warfare. How to name it and claim it. Oh, you're part of the name it and claim it. The blab it and grab it group. <laughs> yeah? Okay, what's the opposite? If, if you're, if you, if we're part of this prosperity, success, overcoming, do all things through Christ group, what's the opposite? I don't want to be part of that group. I don't need traditional religion to teach me stuff in another language that I don't understand and it doesn't drastically affect my life. If I'm a drug addict hooked on drugs and hooked on the bottle for 17 years of my life, I don't need traditional religion. I need yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of the living God. And I receive that. So through Jesus, everything is amplified. It's not nullified. Jesus didn't nullify all the old covenants. He amplifies it. It's like taking the old contract when you were making only $10 million and now we're going to expand that because you're getting this thing and all of a sudden you go to $50 million. Or like Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, 10 years, $450 million. Whoa. All right. God, help us to think big. The problem isn't that we think too big, it's that we think too small. 
So what does Jesus say about all of this? Take, for instance, Matthew 13.52. You can turn over to Matthew 13.52. Jesus, teaching His disciples, says, Therefore, every scribe which is instructed unto the kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a householder, which brings forth out of his treasure things old and new. Let me explain that from the Living Bible. The Living Bible says, then Jesus added, those experts in Jewish law who are now my disciples have double treasure from the Old Testament as well as the New. Anybody like the idea double treasure? Well, it comes from the Old and the New. What Jesus is saying is that the man or the woman who is a Torah teacher, who studies Torah, who's knowledgeable about the covenants, is like a householder. That's an old English word. Householder means the head of the house, the master of the house. And so what Jesus is equating all these Torah teachers that he's talking to He's, he's saying you're the equivalent of somebody who leads the house. In other words, as a Torah teacher who understands both the old and the new, you're now able to teach on the revelation of the Messiah that we have out of the new covenant, as well as all the wisdom of God from the old covenant. And you're not bringing a termination. This is what we've been taught in traditional religion, that that God terminated the Old Testament. No, He amplified it. He, He built on it and sent Jesus, not as a giant eraser, to erase. Oh, God made a big mistake. He gave us the Old Testament. Jesus, you're going to be the big eraser and erase all of that and start something brand spanking new. That's not how it happened. Jesus came, as he says in Matthew 5.17, I didn't come to erase the Old Testament. I didn't come to abolish the Old Testament. I came to make it fulfilled. To fulfill that in your life. So that every blood-bought promise from the old and the new could be manifested in your life. This is why Paul says in Romans 7.12 that the Torah is holy, just, and good. Romans 7.12 It's why Revelation 14, verse 12, something that has not yet happened. Revelation could be unfolding as we speak. But we know Revelation 14, 12 hasn't happened yet. And it says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Two separate things. God's commandments. Yeah, commandments, plural. The Ten Commandments. By extension, all of the commandments in the Bible. And the faith of Jesus. Two separate things he's pointing out. So, Jesus and the apostles never abolished or invalidated the revelation at Mount Sinai. They came to fulfill and accomplish what has been written. 
All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture from Genesis to Revelation has been given by God. It's God-breathed. There's wisdom and knowledge and counsel all the way through our Bible. And this is why the New... You may have never even thought of this. The New Testament has 1,000 full or partial references to the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Now, if you're seeking to abolish the Old Testament, why on earth do you keep referring to it in the New Testament a thousand times? You're missing a golden opportunity if we're supposed to abolish and invalidate it. Disciples, apostles, Jesus, you missed a golden opportunity. You got it all wrong. Me and my traditional religion, we got it all right. No, you didn't. Posed an interesting theological, kind of a legal question to Jesus about fasting. And the Lord explains the proper understanding or relationship, not only of fasting, but now he's going to give us a view from 30,000 feet. How high was that uh, balloon that came across, you know, 60? We're going to get a view from 60,000 feet with all the sensors and all the the, uh, equipment to uh, understand what's going on down on the ground. And it's really a proper uh, understanding of the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And here's what it says, Matthew 9, in verse 16, it says, No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch pulls away from the garment, and the tear is made worse. So you have this old garment. It's got a tear in it, a hole in it, and it needs repairing. But you got this piece of cloth that you're going to use to repair the old garment. But it has to first be shrunk before it's sewn in, or you'll make the tear worse when you wash it, and you'll ruin the whole thing. The deeper truth here is the old garment is the common form of Judaism in Jesus' day. In many cases, legalism had superseded trusting God. A lot of it came out of the, the Sadducees and the temple worship had become so legalistic that people were missing the revelation of having faith and trust in God and they were just looking at all the, the, uh, the traditions and the symbolic acts but there was no heartfelt relation and connection with the Lord. And Paul talks about this in Galatians 4.4. 4. If you go to Galatians 4.4 and you read it out of the complete Jewish Bible, it's a fascinating understanding of what's going on. It says, When the appointed time arrived, God sent forth His Son. He was born from a woman, 
Now watch this. Born into a culture in which legalistic perversion of the Torah was the norm. And this is the the garment. There's a hole in it. And Jesus said, we're not going to throw away the old garment, which represents Judaism, just because it's got a a missing uh, piece to it. What we're going to do is we're going to shrink this cloth. We're going to adapt this new revelation of the Messiah and sew it into the old garment, thus preserving both. If we don't do it the right way, we're going to ruin everything. And the church and the synagogue didn't do it the right way. (laughs) So for the past 2,000 years, we've been the Hatfields and McCoys. And we ruined everything. But in these last days, God has something prophetic happening. Where all of a sudden, all the prophecies that talk about, uh, like in uh, Zechariah 8.23, in the last days, ten men from the different nations will come to a Jewish man and say, we see that God is working in your life, we're here to follow you. Jesus is saying the old and the new have to be interwoven. And he's putting the emphasis on the new cloth having to make some adaptations. We can't just go in, just follow Jesus and shut up. (laughs) What a good witnessing tool. Just follow my way and shut up, will you? What's wrong with you? How come you don't get this? Okay. You don't throw out the old garment. You graft the new cloth into the old garment. The the new cloth is the New Testament. The old garment is the Old Testament. And you preserve both. And life goes on and life is good. It's the same with the wineskin thing. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. That's verse 17. Because the old wineskin's going to burst, and then you lose everything. Now, but what we never really understood through lack of study is the word new wineskin should be renewed. You don't put new wine into old wineskin. You're supposed to renew the old wineskin before you put the new wine in. And how do you renew the wineskin? In the olden days, they would use oil to recondition. They weren't throwing wineskins out. They're too valuable. Let's recondition the wineskin. Then when we put the new wine in, the old wineskin is preserved. The old wineskin is the Old Testament. It's the law and the prophets. And the new wine is our revelation that Yeshua, Jesus, is the Lamb of God, is the Messiah. And once everybody starts being friendly with one another again, and God continues to move and the Holy Spirit continues to fall, people are going to slowly but surely realize that what we're doing here at New is not old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. No. God is doing a new thing. 
And all of this comes out of Yitro. This is the revelation behind the teaching. He's a Gentile that grafts himself into Israel. Right? And it points us to God's plan about Jews and Gentiles, Christians coming together. And look, there's a lot we can't get to. We've got to end this thing. But uh, if you go to Malachi 4, You've heard the hearts of the fathers will return to the children and the hearts of the children. No one's ever taught that that's a spiritual prophecy. We've always taught that that's, you know, mom and dad and, you know, the family. And that's all. That's the lesser truth. The greater truth is they're spiritual fathers. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Isaiah, Ezekiel, uh, and all of the Jewish people that are in that direct lineage, their hearts are going to return to the children. Who are the children? The Christians. And the hearts of the children will return to the fathers. That's an aliyah taking place. There's a physical aliyah taking place right now, as God prophesied, and we're helping to accomplish that, praise God. That's, that's a nice thing to have on your resume. Where'd your giving go to help bring Jews back to Israel? Oh man, that's right at the top of God's list. Where'd your giving go? Oh no. <laughs> Which answer do you want? <laughs> I want to help fulfill Bible prophecy. I want to say something, but I won't. So we're helping uh, the process. It's the fulfillment of those ten men in the last days. I believe those are the ten lost tribes. That's my personal opinion, that the ten men from every language will grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. I believe that's the ten lost tribes of Israel coming home, and we're helping to facilitate that. And part of it is charity and benevolence and empathy and compassion in that area, vision in that area. And, and then the other side, just being uh, drawn back to the Jewishness of the gospel, the Jewish roots of our faith, and respecting and honoring some of the traditions that we didn't grow up with. Like, I, I never, when I got saved, I never learned about any biblical holidays. I knew more about Halloween and Valentine's Day than I did about Passover and Rosh Hashanah. Now it's okay, let's have Valentine's Day. I'm taking my family out on Tuesday night and, you know, I love you, man. But what about uh, all the Bible holidays? Are they, were they invalidated and abolished? No. All of that is part of the double treasure. The old and the new, double treasure. And it's part of God's end time plan, and I'm just glad we're here in a church that there's vision for that. Now that doesn't mean someone else is going to, well, they're going to go to hell! (laughs) No, they're not. You don't have to believe any of this if you don't want to, but it's a mistake in the sense of here's scriptural proof and evidence that God wants Jew and Gentile to come together. Let's figure out how to facilitate that.
And it's not just standing on a street corner in Jerusalem, Turn or burn! (laughs) Not a real good evangelistic strategy. Amen. So, And as we do that, blessing of God. Blessing of God be upon us. Amen. Spiritual blessings, physical blessings, financial blessings. May it all be upon us because we're all serving the Lord and aiming to stay on the path of life and blessing. Amen. Amen. Are we good? Yes. Amen.